Welcome in, everyone, once again to the Talking Tide podcast. I am Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Covered Television. I am joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, also the radio host of Southern Fried Sports, which, of course, is at 100.9 FM in Tuscaloosa weekdays, 11 to noon. The Talking Tide Twitter feed, you can find that at Talking underscore Tide. All the links to our podcast go straight there as soon as we uh, drop those online. And, of course, you can get us at our web host, which is podbean.com. Also, a number of apps, including Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And we recap an A-Day weekend with this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Travis, we'll start out talking offense and toward the back of the show, maybe we'll touch on the defense a little bit, but offense is what gets people excited. It's what people talk about. And, and uh, frankly, that's where most of the storylines were, I think for this particular a day, especially with some turnover coming at the quarterback position, all eyes. uh, And in this case, uh, something I think just short of 50% capacity at Bryant Denny stadium uh, watching Bryce Young, uh, the sophomore to be, who looks like he's going to be taken over at the quarterback position, throws for 333 yards and a touchdown, picks up a win uh, in the game. So he's eating Franks instead of beans. Uh, we'll start there, Travis. Your thoughts, I guess, on on the young quarterback. I thought he was about what you would expect him to be. I thought there were moments where you saw the brilliance, the sort of accuracy and ability to extend plays, but also effectively manage the pocket and hit for some explosive plays from within the cup that goes with being a five-star quarterback like he was in the 2020 cycle chase. And a couple instances where he maybe got a little bit greedy and survived it, lived to tell about it, uh, instead of having takeaways show up on his final ledger. But 44 pass attempts, he certainly got plenty of opportunities No explosive plays weren't a big thing in the scrimmage, really, for either of the two primary quarterbacks. But you like seeing him spread the ball around. Um, You know, he did have completions, I think, of 16 yards or more to five different guys. Uh, So that was a positive. Uh, He obviously uh, likes to go to Treshawn Holden uh, in some certain situations, but you know, Slade Bolden, five for 56. Again, spread the ball around, got the backs, and certainly a great day for Alabama's two top tight ends going into the scrimmage, Jalil Billingsley, but probably even more so Cameron Latou with the 59-yard touchdown reception. So as far as Young, thought he spread the ball around, thought he looked totally comfortable, totally at ease, in command. And uh, all in all, uh, what seemed to be a, a very – very uh, assertive type spring for him as the successor to Mac Jones played out that way on eight a as well. Go ahead. And I guess we'll drill down the rest of the way on the quarterback position before we move on to talk about a couple of the other standouts from eight a got a chance to see a pretty extensive look at Paul Tyson, uh, Jalen Milrow, the other quarterback uh, we did not get to see him. Although, uh, sounds like the UA coaching staff was uh, full of praise for Milrow, especially uh, in the area of his athleticism and, and quick feet. 
uh, in their discussions with the ESPN broadcast crew. At least that's one of the things that, that I drew from the broadcast comments is that there's uh, a pretty good deal of excitement on the staff for his potential. Uh, remains to be seen, obviously, um, this fall as to uh, whether and when he gets on the field. Paul Tyson, on the other hand, did get to see a good bit of him. About what you'd expect there, too. A tall guy, a guy who will stand in the pocket, uh, but a guy who probably needs to get rid of the ball a little more quickly, which is to be expected of a young quarterback. That's, you know, getting rid of the ball on time and, and you know, sometimes a little a little faster than, than a young quarterback can process. Uh, it, it, it's what you see in young quarterbacks, Travis, and, and no different than Tyson. And sometimes the pass rush is such that your intention is to get the ball out quick, but it's up into your kitchen so quickly you don't really have an opportunity to do that. I understand exactly what you're talking about. Watching Paul Tyson uh, on the high school level, that was my primary concern for him. Between the fact that he's not a guy that's really going to beat you with his feet, you know, is he going to be able to see things well enough pre-snap and process things quickly enough and then also tighten up a release become more efficient in getting the ball out just in general because that was clearly coming out of high school going to be his biggest challenge and I do think he has made some improvements again if you go back and look at his high school tape I think it's pretty evident now when you put him next to a guy like Bryce Young who can get it out quickly who is twitchy as the quarterback gurus like to call it these days And especially in the RPO game, I think Bryce Young has the potential of being Tua-like, as devastatingly effective as Tua was in the RPO game uh, and getting the ball out as quickly as he did. I think Bryce Young is going to be similar in a lot of ways uh, to Tua in that regard. And look, the RPO is still going to be a part of this offense. You you can make changes at the coordinator level. Bill O'Brien is still going to be drawing up RPOs. And I think that may be the one area, as much as anything, just in terms of what this offense is going to continue to be about, where Bryce Young has the advantage over Paul Tyson. As you said, we didn't get to see Jalen Milrow. So I'm going to anticipate that you know he's going to be asked to do those same things, obviously. And we'll see how that plays out, maybe more so in regards to the number two spot than the starting position with Bryce. Moving to wide receiver, Travis, certainly a standout performance by Ajay Hall, uh, the young wide receiver with a bit of a breakout. Seventy, Not a huge, huge game, but 70-plus yards came up with uh, a couple of big catches, some high praise from Saban, called him one of the most explosive players on the roster, uh, but also noted that he's been working only one wide receiver position throughout the spring. He's been at the Z spot and, uh, you know, Saban's remark on him was, was that, you know, if we can get him comfortable, you know, at the X, elsewhere, the slot, what have you, we could get the ball in his hands a lot more easily. Um, so one would think that, that that'll be uh, a, prior, a priority for Hall when preseason practice commences in August. Yeah, and that was the advantage that you figured some of the veterans were going to have over all of these young receivers going into spring practice. Like Bolden is primarily a slot, but he knows the X and he knows the Z, so he can handle those reps 
uh, if asked to jump in there and, and do that. Um, John Mechie obviously is at a point where he can handle the three primary positions. And I think even Xavier Williams with the time that he's been around uh, at Alabama has reached a point where I'm guessing he's more than comfortable jumping in, in those different roles. Uh, primarily what you see with young receivers, they try to teach them one spot. Z makes sense to me with a Jai Hall because he is six foot three. You can get him maybe into the boundary, uh, going against some man coverage. And as you saw in the scrimmage on Saturday, you get him in some 50, 50 opportunities where he's got to go up and win it. Uh, and he showed, he, he can do that. Uh, he showed that on Saturday. So, uh, the the talent is there, Chase. I think you would agree, and you can see it in some of these guys. Again, Treshawn Holden is a second-year guy. I thought did some good things. A little surprised that Javon Baker wasn't more of a presence. Uh, one catch for four yards, but I think at the same time, and we'll get into this in the second half of the podcast, I thought Alabama's corners, uh, for the most part, did a, a really nice job uh, throughout the scrimmage and uh, from that perspective, you were encouraged because I think they showed you they're going to be able to lock up some pretty good receivers in the fall. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Saban's comments on Hall reminded me just a little bit of Calvin Ridley's freshman year, Travis. And if, if from this standpoint, by the end of Calvin Ridley's freshman season at Alabama, he was one of the best receivers in the league. He was making explosive plays. He was a key part of that offense. I think sometimes people forget, though, that that it took him some time to learn the system. It took and Amari it, Cooper some time in 2012, Chase. You remember it, that? Yeah, yeah, it, it did. And really, the, the first, I want to say, month or so of Ridley's freshman season, Alabama didn't go to him a ton. He caught two, three balls here and there, uh, but they were throwing the ball to Richard Mullaney as much as they were Ridley until about midseason. And then you started to see a comfort level that translated into, into six points a lot of weeks. It did. And again, you know, there's a lot that's thrown at these young receivers. It's not just, okay, run a nine route, uh, run a hitch, uh, things like that. I mean, it gets pretty elaborate in terms of not only the route tree, but adjustments that you're expected to make based on coverages. And I thought that was one of the things where Devontae Smith was so, so good last year with Mac Jones. And it also goes back to, did you have the luxury of coming in maybe with a particular quarterback? Devontae had that with Mac Jones. You know, Tua was obviously the guy in that 2017 class of the two quarterbacks. But Devontae Smith in that first year or so, yes, he caught the historic monumental touchdown pass against Georgia in the national championship game. Um, but, you know, and, and it showed in working with Tua, but he was also working with Mac, I'm sure, in some instances. So the time needed to also build a relationship with the quarterbacks. And, you know, having 15 practices in the spring is a nice early jump on things for a Jai Hall. But the most encouraging aspect, I think, to come out of this spring is that's where this guy is after 15 practices. Imagine where he's going to be after a full run through fall camp. And a couple of other of his classmates, I think, that are going to be in that boat as well. No doubt about it. Also, I think of note at that wide receiver position, Keelan Robinson 
getting a little action there uh, as spring practice wound up. Uh, didn't see, um, you know, didn't see much, didn't see any of Keelan Robinson in the fall. Of course, he opted out uh, a running back, flashed as a running back in 2019 in a in a backup role, uh, but working at both wide receiver and running back uh, here in the spring. And, and it makes sense because Alabama's deep at running back. Nick Saban's uh, had nothing but positive things to say about that uh, position as a group. Uh, and, you know, uh, you can never have enough receivers, especially if you're going to be running three and four wide out there all the time uh, in an RPO offense. And so maybe Keelan Robinson conceivably could give Alabama more out of the slot than he could from the backfield. I think it's about explosive plays in general because you've got so much leaving the program in Devontae Smith, uh, Jalen Waddell, and also uh, Najee Harris to an extent. Because when you look at the white team receivers from Saturday, the first team offense, you had one wide receiver average more than 10 yards per catch. So the numbers for Bryce Young were impressive, 333 yards, um, you know, uh, touchdown pass, but he needed 44 throws to get there, 44 attempts. Yards per attempt the last three or four years at Alabama, as you know, Chase, it's been north of 11 per attempt, per attempt, not per completion. So I think you're also considering, okay, Keelan Robinson's a home run hitter. So what are some ways that maybe we can incorporate him into things outside of just the traditional running back position? So maybe some thought being given to that as well, because for that white team on Saturday, yeah, you had three guys average north of 16 yards per catch. One was a running back and two were tight ends. So trying to figure out between your wide receivers, maybe where more of that explosive play production is going to come from. Uh, John Mechie, obviously, is going to be a big part of that. But, you know, you love seeing that from Ajay Hall on Saturday, too, because he averaged 18 per catch. And he's he can give you that. It might just be in a little different fashion than what you've seen from those four guys that just came through the program. And you don't have to worry about pass row with a running back who you move out to the slot, right? And that's not to say anything negative about Robinson's, Keelan Robinson's ability to pass pro, because I, I don't know how he's done in practice in that regard. I do know, though, that if if you take a guy who's who's a running back, you move him out to the slot, one of the first things off his plate that I'm sure is a relief, especially for younger guys, is not worrying about pass pro. Now I just I'm just getting open and playing football. Well, and you can show some two back sets, but if opposing defenses stay in like base personnel, look at the matchups you could have. If you then walk Keelan Robinson out, you can do some things similar to what you did a few years back with Kenyon Drake. You know, there's a lot of possibilities. You can get Keelan Robinson doing some of the high motion, the orbit motion, the pre-snap eye candy the last couple of years that's worked exceptionally well for Alabama and then getting the ball in space in the quick game. So a lot of potential, a lot of things I'm sure they're considering. We'll see to what extent Keelan Robinson is utilized in that manner. But again, I do think a lot of it goes back to the explosive play production you're trying to replace in that offense. 
Talk of Tide podcast at podbean.com, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. The Twitter feed, of course, talking underscore Tide. Travis and I are going to thank our sponsors quickly before we move on and, and discuss the defensive side of the football coming out of uh, the annual A-Day game. Going to start by telling you about North River Dental Associates, a charter sponsor uh, going on five years now, I think, for North River Dental Associates and and former UA player Dr. Jack Smalley and his great staff of dental hygienists over there right off of McFarland Boulevard uh, in Fairfax Park beside West Alabama Pediatrics. Whatever your dental needs, your family's dental needs, it's where you need to go. Get in there twice a year for your routine cleanings. They're going to have you in and out of there in under an hour, and that includes your weight typically on that routine cleaning. But if you need something more serious than that, dental implants, surgery, they got you covered. Endodontics, they got you. The teeth whitening services, the cosmetic stuff, got you there as well. Porcelain veneers, they do it all over at North River Dental Associates. If you want to make an appointment, do it a couple ways. Give them a call at 752-3506, or you can make an appointment online at NorthRiverDentist.com. Once again, it's Dr. Jack Smalley and North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about the dynamic duo out there in that very same Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Going to start with Southern Ale House out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. They just keep ramping it up a notch out there at Southern Ale House. Here in the last couple of days, they have done a pork tenderloin that they have fried and covered in a savory brown gravy on a heavenly cloud. It's like a cloud of mashed potatoes. Outstanding stuff. They always have something that they're adding to the mix. And it's nothing that's really over the top. It's just something when you see it, you go, where has that been in my life? They've got it for you there at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. As always, the staples are going to be in play, whether it's that Yardbird chicken sandwich, whether it's Chase Goodbread's favorite, that meatloaf that's bacon-wrapped with some tomato jam on top. And, of course, always those great house-made sides. They make them by scratch, even the sides at Southern Ale House. You can count on to be grandmama good. That's the best way I know to describe the sort of sides and items you're going to get in general there at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Also want to tell you about right next door, Peterbrook Chocolatier, also at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Share the same address because they're next door neighbors for crying out loud. So when you're out there at Peterbrook, you need to get by Southern Ale House. When you're at Southern Ale House, you need to slide on by Peterbrook as well. Mother's Day coming up. And if you want to, if you want to garner even more love from mama, get her a nice basket, gift basket, Mother's Day basket that they've got for you there from Peterbrook Chocolatier. Hey, they ship, by the way. I know you hear me talk about Peterbrook and you say, well, it's in Tuscaloosa. Well, they can ship it to you. They can absolutely do that. Just give them a call at 205-752-0211. They'll get that Mother's Day basket out. ASAP and mama, mama will be happy. And we all know if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Let Peterbrook Chocolatier do that for you today. Talk Tide podcast at podbean.com. 
iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in. The Twitter feed is talking to underscore Tide. Talking the defensive side of the football for the final few minutes of the Talking Tide broadcast. And uh, Travis, a lot of talk going into a day of the mismatched offensive line, kind of a patchwork group with several players, a couple players not available, and a couple of uh, losses to the NFL draft obviously left uh, the ones on that offensive line. Um, don't want to say in disarray, but but certainly maybe not the most cohesive unit as it could have been. We talked about that in our last podcast going into A-Day. However, uh, some key guys missing on defense too, right? No Christian Harris, no Will Anderson, uh, and no Malachi Moore. That's three right there. Uh, there are certainly uh, three of the best players on that side of the ball for the Crimson Tide. So, you know, that those those ones on defense were missing some names too. They were, and I think it maybe even helped the first team offense that those guys, uh, unfortunately for everyone else and, and themselves, uh, weren't able to participate. But you still saw some really strong performances on the on that side of the football with Deontay Lawson, the early enrollee at inside linebacker, stepping in there for uh, Christian Harris. And all he does is record four total tackles, including one for loss, a couple of pass breakups. Uh, you know, in the secondary, as you might expect, it was mostly base and nickel coverages, not a time when you see dime and some of those things from Alabama. But again, we talked about it earlier. I thought the corners really for both teams. Um, it, it was, it was great to see if you're, uh, if you're, you're Nick Saban and, and new cornerbacks coach Jay Valai, because, you know, you know, you have that opening opposite Josh Job and Jalen Armour Davis made a strong account of himself and trying to go wire to wire with the ones at that other corner. He had three tackles, three pass breakups, but you know, Quincy McKinstry, the early enrollee five-star with an interception, a fumble recovery, even down to uh, turnage that you had there at the kind of bottom of that rotation on Saturday. Uh, Brandon Turnage, I thought you saw in him why coaches love bigger corners because the Jai Hall was a problem for some guys uh, in that scrimmage on Saturday. But Brandon Turnage had a couple of pass breakups where – his size came in extremely handy for him in working against a Jai Hall. So, you know, if it is Jalen Armour Davis that ends up winning that job and starts against Miami on September 4th, I think you're going to feel comfortable with him. But there's a lot of promise when you look at McKinstry and you consider you got a couple more guys coming in the summer and Marcus Banks wasn't really able to do anything or much of anything this spring. And so the competition uh, you would think is going to carry over into fall camp and uh, a lot of good options, a lot of quality depth. I thought at corner chase. Yeah, for sure. And and I'll say that the one defensive young guy who kind of jumped out for me was Braswell. Uh, he, Oh yeah. He, he looked like he's got uh, more than his share of, of big play potential on that side of the ball for Alabama. You can't have enough pass rushers off that edge. Uh, I, I think he's he's one that, that certainly looks like one of the more exciting players uh, on that side of the ball among the youth uh, for the Crimson Tide. Uh, defensive backs, you brought those up, Travis. I thought something of note, and, and just as a quick 
pretext. I'm not a real big fan of, of the way Nick Saban has decided to go ahead and hand out uh, those spring awards to three, four, five guys per award. You know, it used to be one guy. Um, it it kind of dilutes the picture a little bit when when it makes it almost like a kind of a participation trophy almost. Uh, however, I, I found it notable that of the coaching staff's seven most improved players of spring practice, four were defensive backs. Mm-hmm. Jalen Armour Davis, Brian Branch, DeMarco Hellams, Marcus Banks. Say anything to you at all, Travis, that as a whole, that that, that unit uh, took four out of seven most improved spots from this coaching staff? Yeah, I think it does. I, I think, you know, it's been sort of a work in progress over the last year or so with a lot of the, those guys. You obviously had some some transition at the safety position and really corner and in your sub packages last year, you had, you know, five or six defensive backs from the previous season uh, of that total four or five had moved on. So you kind of figured you might go through some growing pains, some lumps. I think that was more the case uh, initially in 2020 at safety and at maybe uh, the dime package. When you went with your, your money option with six defensive backs, I thought Malachi Moore was really good from pretty much start until he couldn't finish there at the end of the season. So, you know, the benefit of all that, obviously, kind of like it was with linebacker and along the defensive line in 2019 was a year ago in the front seven, uh, you sort of started to, to, you know, reap the rewards, the benefits of playing all those guys in 2019. I think that's what you're going to see on the back end uh, this coming season with all the new guys that broke in a year ago. So yeah, love the depth on the back end. You love the idea that you're going to have depth in your pass rush, not just on the edge, but you saw some things from some guys up front like DJ Dale, Byron Young, Justin Aboigbe, being able to give you some, what I call organic pass rush, where it comes from your front four, maybe even on occasion, your front three, if you've got Tim Smith in the middle of that pass rush. So good stuff. I thought really across the board defensively on Saturday. Uh, and again, uh, you know, the, the, the pipeline looks to be full with an emphasis on the linebacker position for me, because Lawson, uh, you talk about Demoy Kennedy, um, you know, so many of these guys that we saw Ian Jackson, I thought showed some good things as an early enrollee Q Robinson, uh, depth as a pass rusher, King Wakuda. Um, you know, again, the, the, the opportunities there for, for this defense to revert back in a positive way to some of those defenses we last saw around Alabama, at least on a consistent basis. Uh, you got to go back four or five years, maybe to, to, to see those defenses like this one might look in 2021. Quick basketball note before we get out of here on the Talking Tide podcast. Travis looks like Alabama guard Jaden Shackelford is going to enter or at least explore the NBA draft. Uh, The way way college basketball and the NBA draft work now, you know, these guys can can put in and uh, pull out and stay in school if they want to as long as they don't hire an agent. Uh, but uh, I'll put you on the spot here, Travis. I'll, a- I'll ask you for a percentage chance that Jaden Shackelford uh, returns to Alabama, withdraws from 
uh, his NBA draft considerations and and returns for Nate Oates? I'll go 85%. 85? Yeah, I think he's back. I think he's doing what he should do. I think Javon Quinterly should do the same thing. You get a couple of opportunities to kind of run yourself through the draft process, you know, see if maybe you get surprised by the feedback. And even if you don't, well, you get feedback. And then, um, you know, you go back to school and, you know, you try to improve yourself. And uh, look, if this team, this next team ends up being what a lot of people I think Joe Lenardi already in his early bracketology has Alabama as a one seed for the uh, for the 2022 NCAA tournament. Um, sure. You know, that's the uh, you know, that, that 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 can help you in terms of your, your draft prospects from a year from now. You go ahead and expose yourself to people at that level. Let them become even more familiar with you. And uh, then build on it. So, no, I, I think it's smart uh, by Shackelford. And uh, at the same time, I'd be really surprised, though, if, if he wasn't back for 2021-2022. There you have it. That's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to uh, join us when we reconvene. Probably throw a uh, an NFL draft Alabama-related podcast at you here in the next couple weeks. Be watching for that. Uh, but for, for this time, we're out of time. So for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports Radio, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.